This is the Jets-Centric Podcast, your home for Winnipeg Jets, talk, thoughts, and takes. Hey Jets fans, welcome back to yet another episode of the Jet Centric Podcast. My name is AJ and I'm going to be hosting this ragtag group of gentlemen for a roundtable discussion. With me today is Ryan, who's not feeling well, so he's not going to say too much. we got Daniel, we got Pete Tessier of HockeyBuzz.com, and we also got Paul Quay, who uh, you're probably familiar with him. He's joined us a couple times before. Thank you gentlemen for uh, taking the time. This should be fun and everybody respond at the same time. Go. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, everybody interrupt each other. That's uh, that's always happens on podcasts. So let's just embrace it. That's what's going to be. So uh, I thought what we were going to do, gentlemen. I kind of sent you a list of some of the the topics I wanted to talk about, and I thought what might be kind of fun is we'll leave sort of the Jets and their actual playing to the end, and we'll just kind of go over all the peripheral stuff, kind of get it out of the way, all the other talking points, and then we'll talk about uh, basically the month of December. Uh, and uh, what the Jets are going to look like going forward. So, uh, first thing, let's start off with the Heritage Classic. Uh, it's announced today that the Jets are going to be facing the Calgary Flames in Regina October 26th next year for their second outdoor game. Uh, should be interesting. Um, uh, just curious, uh, any of you guys have any plans on going? Uh, what do you think of like uh, the team makeup? Do you see this coming a mile away? Uh, maybe we'll start with you, Pete. I'm just uh, curious. Let's get some takes on the Heritage Classic and, and what we know about it so far. Um, I'm not sure if I'll go or not. It it will be a, a weather time of year based decision because you know it can get cold out here. Um, I you know I find it interesting that it's in Regina and I think it's more of a it's one of those weird NHL things where it seems more about them trying to make money than it does about an experience for the fans who are already buying the tickets, paying buying the merchandise and stuff like. You know, I mean, maybe it's the Winnipeg Remy, but I could give two shits about what happens in Regina for their fans. And, you know, half of them are going to come up wearing watermelons on their heads. Like, it's, it, it, you know, it, it's just, it, it just, I don't know. I, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a, a bit of a skeptic and a, and a bit of a Debbie Downer on the whole winter classic things. Like, I like them, but they just seem a little too contrived. And I think there's a better way of doing it than dropping a game in Regina. Because that just screams of, we just want to find a way to take your money. Right. Actually, uh, kind of along that line. So if you had to, if you're a part of the NHL marketing department here, let's uh, kind of spring off some ideas here. What would be kind of a different take on, on this? I mean, they've, they've gone, done the global series, right? The Jets played in Finland against Florida this year. There's been uh, some other ones that have happened recently too. I think Edmonton went and played against someone too. Um, so what, what would be some other neat uh, marketing things that would maybe be good and, and seem a little less contrived and repetitive that the the you know the NHL could look at like maybe outdoor games on top of a skyscraper or maybe actually taking an NHL like a regular season game to some small town and do it on a frozen lake uh, I don't know just uh, spitballing here what what would be some good ideas uh, that would maybe uh, be interesting to you Pete or anybody else who maybe has some ideas that they could uh, add to it someone go first well, <laughs> I, I, I got I got I got one a game on Mars Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> we'll have to talk to Elon Musk about that. Yeah, let's give him a call. 
I was going to say, guys, I, I think that, um, you know, you're, you're right on, you're right on point there by saying, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a cash grab. Yes. It's uh, to a degree been overdone. I mean, I don't know if you guys watched today's game with, uh, with uh, Boston and Chicago that was at, uh, at Notre Dame. So they're picking these uh, kind of off market uh, locations to try and spread the game, which is good. You want, you want that growth, but I mean, I don't think we can really grow it in Saskatchewan as much as we could say in the central plains of the U S which is, you know, what the, I think one of the other targets was uh, going to be in Ohio next year as well on top of the uh, Dallas stars game. I, it's one of the ones I heard. So, I mean, they're trying to grow it. Uh, Saskatchewan's a pretty saturated market as it is hockey wise with the WHL, the SJHL. Uh, of course, if you know, I've covered Saskatchewan for uh, actual work. And uh, when you go out there, it's, it's Oilers, it's flames. There's some jets mixed in. It's, uh, you know, lots of Islanders fans odd enough, but uh, it, it just seems like, yeah, it's, it's desperate. They want some money and they, you know, they said, Here's a place where we haven't done a game. Let's do it, and we'll uh, we'll split the difference and invite Calgary and Winnipeg. Now, Paul, just uh, talking about that, uh, I tweeted out earlier the idea of that there's going to be an alumni game. I don't know if there's going to be an alumni game. I just uh, was hopeful, but two years removed, it's probably doubtful. You you suggested the idea that maybe they would try and tag team uh, or add on maybe a WHL game outdoor. Are they going to have the facility already? Uh, well, maybe do you have they any, had a bit uh, of a flame out. They had a bit of a flame out uh, a year ago because uh, they tried to do the outdoor game where it was going to be the the Pats. I can't remember who the Pats were going to play, but it was uh, it was going to be a Regina Pats game, and there was going to be some other uh, minor hockey there as well. And uh, just poor ticket sales led to them moving it uh, indoors. I think the second part of that was an NHL alumni game, and of course, you know, uh, when you go to Mosaic, it's you know thirty three thousand seats. I don't think the Pats sell that well in their arena, which I think is six to six to seven thousand seats. So filling a thirty-three thousand seat uh, stadium uh, probably a bit of a challenge. And then when you're getting the NHL alumni out, I mean, who are you getting? Uh, it all comes down to people and the draw. And I think that's why the NHL goes, okay, they were willing to do it. Let's give them an NHL regular season game and see what they can do with it. But yeah, we're two years removed of the, from the last alumni game which is probably a stretch. So I could see them throwing in a, a WHL game uh, for the Pats. They might bring down the Saskatoon Blades. And I mean, they've got a few teams in, in, uh, in the WHL or the SJHL that might make use of that, uh, that stadium at that time. Right. I think it'd be great if you had the 70s Flames versus the 2000 Thrashers. <laughs> 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 and you, but mind, you have to get Kovalchuk to, come, to retire first, which he's totally apt to do. Yeah, this I think there's many people that would love to see Kovalchuk in a Jets jersey just one time, just one time. Yeah, right. I think that'd be pretty cool. The kind of like seeing Solani in the current Jets um, uniform uh, out in Finland. I guess this last year, there's a picture of him with Line A right in the summer, and uh, can't remember the other Finnish player's name, the old guy, um, all wearing the the current Jets jersey. That was kind of cool. So I think it'd be neat to see Kovalchuk in that. I know many people are not a big fan of the Atlanta connection. Uh, with the Jets, but uh, I don't know. This this Atlanta team has been doing pretty well lately, a lot better than that uh, Phoenix or Arizona Coyotes team has pretty much ever done. Right. So, and uh, yeah, it's kind of, I'm sure I'm getting right to where you want to go, Paul. Kind of a fun connection with Atlanta with the two teams chosen to uh, go play at Mosaic too, eh? Uh, maybe, Daniel, you want to pipe in uh, something about the Atlanta thing? I know you're a bit of a troll that way, so you're probably... Uh, <laughs> Make some old old guys' heads heads hurt about uh, Atlanta stuff. 
<laughs> well, you know, I was thinking, I saw, I can't remember who, about 17 different people probably tweeted it, but the uh, the the Blue Thrashers jersey versus the the old red uh, Atlanta Flames jersey, that should be their jerseys for that uh, that game in October, I think I'd, I'd definitely buy one. Um, but I just had a thought there when we were talking about the, the WHL, <clears throat> if the Kootenai Ice ever come, you think maybe they do like uh, send Kootenai out there and play Regina Pats? Oh, yeah. As part of that weekend too, if that's if that's a viable option, you know, I mean, they they set it up like a week in advance, so there is a, definitely a few days in there that they could get that done. I mean, obviously the draw, like you had, we had mentioned, is not going to be, but if the ice is already there, right, you could throw a game out there, even if you only sell like a third of the of a sellout or whatever for a WHL game. That's still a, a big big enough draw, I think, to be able to have that. Just something I was just kind of thinking about today. I don't know, maybe I probably saw that go by too somewhere, but that would be some interesting wrinkle that they could probably try to work in there if that's where they want to go with that. Well, that, that's think, actually a great idea. The, if they could that. Sorry, go ahead, Paul. Well, one of the downsides, uh, I think, when they, they were having trouble drawing uh, uh, last year when they tried to pull it off was uh, time of year. So I noticed this year they, they're doing it pretty much the exact same weekend that they did the Heritage Classic here, which is third week of uh, October. Uh, I think they were a little bit deeper into the season or in the spring last time. So, um, it, you know, weather became an issue as well. So when you're not drawing people and you're trying to run it to, in, a, in a large venue and it's it's cold outside, obviously that's, uh, that's an issue. So October might be a little bit easier. I think with the Kootenai um, connection, you know, we don't know what's happening with that team yet. So if they were going to make the move and it was that quick, it might be a bit of a, a short-term thing, but I could see, you know, Regina playing the Calgary Hitman or something like that to, to tie into the Calgary connection. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And that, uh, that was uh, mid February, the thing last year, I just did a quick Google. So yeah, that's very, very cold probably. Yeah. <laughs> In Regina. Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, a little, yeah. little bit. Yeah. It's <laughs> just terrible. So a little bit different because their, their design is, is uh, it's got that kind of uh, horseshoe, design and they've got you know it's a semi-covered field why uh you know why in winnipeg and saskatchewan we didn't build uh football stadiums with domes on them i'll have no idea but you know they're, they're probably a little more sheltered from the wind than if they would have played at uh, taylor field for instance well here i'm going to throw something the, the last thing about the heritage class we'll move on for, from this because i'm sure we, there's so many interesting talking points about it but uh, we all sort of touched on the jersey thing now i saw some stuff tweeted out today that uh, it looks like the there's speculation that the Jets will come up with another uh, jersey for this game, another Heritage Classic uh, 2.0 or 3.0, depending what you consider the Aviator jersey right now. Um, and the saying that it might be a dark jersey because the Jets are the home team, but the Jets were the home team when they played in Winnipeg and they came up with the white jersey. So, Pete, I'll maybe give it to you. What, what's your speculation or, or do you have any insight into, uh, do you think the Jets actually come up with yet another jersey next year? And if so, is that the last we see of the Aviator jersey? Is the Aviator jersey uh, kind of uh, going the way of the Bomber uh, camouflage uh, jersey uh, a couple of years ago? Or uh, yeah, so anyhow, it's not going anywhere because my apparently in my house it's a hugely like thing. I can't stand that thing. You know, you you watch what they wore last night, and then you you think like, what could be done? And I think it's probably got to be a. Um, an 80s type theme from the years in the 80s because that's when sort of these two teams were in their heyday, um, Calgary and, and Winnipeg. So, but man, you know, speaking of just as long as they keep the red pants, the red pants are everything. I just, I mean, I didn't care what, what the jersey was. When I see those red pants, oh, that makes things move. 
it's so gorgeous. So gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you think that they actually will come up with another jersey? They won't continue to use a heritage class, a uh, uh, heritage uh, classic jersey that they're using right now. Which, by the way, last night they were. Or, uh, was it last night? I don't even know what day we're on. Yeah, it was um, last night. Yeah, last night. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, just being off work, I don't even know what day of the week it is. <laughs> but uh, now they've worn that jersey four times. They've worn it in Adidas form one time, which is last night, and they wore it three other times before that. So this jersey that they wore that everyone loves has really got no play at all. They're going to wear it one more time this year. That'll bring it up to five times. Is it? Are they really going to retire that jersey and not plan on wearing it again? Because you'd imagine if they came up with a, another Heritage Classic jersey next year, we're probably not going to see this white one ever sure. again. Right after well, they've stopped selling the white one, right? It's no longer for sale. Right. And so I think they will because this is the NHL and True North, and they will never miss an opportunity to make a buck. So right. they will bring something in, and we will all buy it. <laughs> and it, it, maybe that will just be the end of the Aviator ones. And given the response to the Aviator ones, you know, maybe that's the message to them. Like, yeah, we need to do something better than that. And, uh, and have a new one and do a bit more of a throwback to the eighties. And I think that would be really cool if they did it right. Well, I, I heard that there's some uh, local Jets themed podcast that uh, actually did a mock-up of a dark uh, heritage classic Jersey that uh, some people like, but I, I don't know. I don't know much about it. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. It's, it's funny Should how tweet, little tweet it out right now. <laughs> Well, I, it's, it may have been tweeted out a bunch of times. It's amazing how little play it gets with uh, local media, though. They don't want to don't want to touch it. They don't want to like it. They don't want to retweet it, whereas everyone else is loving it. And then people continue to conjecture uh, some other uh, abominations. But anyhow, let's uh, let's move on. Uh, Dan, I, I, well, I, I just I was going to add there. Uh, I was going to add there about the jerseys, but uh, I actually tweeted out a couple times last night ones that floated around when the Heritage Classic were going on where it's the the jersey like they wore last night but with the with the actual uh 2.0 jets logo on the front and actually i like that look personally and i i agree with your point on the red pants i mean and i said it last night during the game was that it's not just the jersey it's the whole uniform so it's the red pants it's the striping yeah. It, yeah. It, it just it it comes off as classy where when you wear those aviators yeah it's uh you know if you know all the little tweaks yeah it's cool but i mean it comes off as as bland the issue um, that I was going to say about um, about True North, you made another point there where, um, you know, they're going to bring it, bring something out, we're going to buy it. My my issue is, and, and it's a, probably a bigger topic, but when do we hit the saturation point as a fan base? When do we just stop buying everything? I mean, it's probably going to be a while yet, but I mean, I remember the days of the old Jets where, you know, nobody wore jerseys to a game. We couldn't draw, you know, 12,000. Now we've got sellouts. We're selling jerseys. We're getting invited to outdoor games and all that kind of stuff. So, which is all good things. Those are all good things. But you know, I think the playoff run this spring and the fallout from that through the summer and fall, like the, I think I've noticed with people I know, um, it was a lot of cash. A lot of cash flowed out of people's pockets for that playoff run. And if we do it again this year, I mean, uh, it's it's going to be a stretch for a lot of people with the amount of money they spend on tickets and merchandise, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And with the, with the addition of potentially a WHL team too, right? Saturation of of tickets. I know it's probably a slightly different crowd, but there is some some crossover. Well, your uh, entertainment dollars too. Yeah, absolutely. And and the, and if people don't think that's real, that there is a saturation point, I could tell you, um, as a person who's a fan of college football, that 
Alabama fans, there is a saturation point where uh, less and less of them travel to these championship games, championship games, right? Because they go every other year or every year, right? They're, they're just constantly in it. And uh, there's, they're finding that it's not, uh, not everybody in Alabama can afford to, to go to these things. There's a lot of other fans that um, buy tickets. I, I won't get into how they, they do sell their tickets, but um, yeah, there's, there's been some concerns about uh, Alabama fans being able to continue to afford to support a really, really good team. So. Well, I uh, think with the, even with the one playoff run we went through, I mean, uh, you guys could probably take a poll of just who's on a call, but just out of people, you know, that the, the actual cost of the playoff run going to the games, you know, you're going out, you're eating, you're drinking every other night or you're hanging out downtown or whatever. I mean, the cost of that adds up and it affects oh, everything else. Total. So when the summer hit, people have already spent money. So did they cut off uh, some vacation time? Did they cut back and sell off more of their tickets in the fall? I mean, it's, it's got a spiral effect to it. For sure. I, I, I was going to the sperm bank and looking to sell a kidney. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was are those still open? <laughs> in Montreal. They are apparently. Oh, there we go. All right, let's move along. Okay, uh, All Star Games coming up uh, shortly, sometime in uh, I believe uh, maybe two or three weeks away here now in in January. I don't know, Ryan. You can maybe fact check that one. Get back to us. But uh, there's going to be a, a Winnipeg Jets representative. So uh, there's chatter about uh, Shifley for Hart. I mean, uh, Captain Blake Wheeler is setting up every everything, and Line A is still on pace for what? 40, 45 goals. I don't even know what he's on pace for. So we got some some good people. And, and who, who Shifley's never been, right? I don't believe Blake no. Wheeler has been to an All Star game. Bufflin's Blake been went in last year. Wheeler Blake, went last year. Yeah. Oh, Wheeler went. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. And uh, Liney went, uh, I think, in his rookie season, right? And then uh, Bufflin, I think, two years before that. And before, I think, the year before that, they didn't have a uh, requirement that you have one representative. And I don't think the Jets had sent anyone um, for those first couple of years, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, Ryan. Fact check. There you go. Uh, you got January January twenty sixth. There you go. So a couple of weeks away. Um, so, uh, gentlemen, uh, who do you think? Maybe Daniel will start with you. Who do you think uh, represents the Jets at this All Star game? Maybe it's obvious to to some, not to others. What do you got? I was actually going to write in Brendan Lemieux. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> um, but uh, but actually, it, it'll probably be Shifley. <laughs> it'll be yeah. Shifley. They have you know he's definitely making waves throughout the entire league and that's kind of what the kind of guys that they want to send there and you know the Jets probably won't get two guys going but if they do it maybe it will be Shifley and Wheeler that's that would be interesting because I think they have I I don't know what each division gets to send is it like a dozen or so so there's a few extras a few teams with two players or three players or whatever it is so I'll, I'll go with Shifley yeah, yeah. They always, there's always two Blackhawks. <laughs> yeah, at least. So Taves and Kane are already, you just yeah. mark them down there already. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, I think it's like uh, games. <laughs> nah. They're packed deal, yeah. Well, they got their contracts together. You're right, same same year, same amount. But uh, how about you, Kate? If it's, not Sh- if it's not Shafley, there's, there's got to be a recount or somebody's got to be looking into the voting process or however it works because, yeah. I mean, I know Line A is going to be the be the uh, you know the the fashionable pick because of the yeah. goal scoring and all that kind of stuff but to be honest now we'll touch on this uh, in a bit but uh similar to last time I was on the on the podcast um you know he, he's really not playing that hot he, he's just he, he doesn't have that uh, that same energy level he he did when he came off the the Lowry line when they put him down on the uh, third line for a bit and he came up and he was working uh, pretty well 
and then uh, now it's just kind of regressed back to where it was. So. Yeah, I guess if people are voting through a November lens, right? Or was it November that was, you know, the yeah. 18 goals in 12 games or whatever it was. Um, so I, and Pete, maybe I'll, I'll ask you too, but I'm going to guess that you're going to go with Shifley. Um, so yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. let you answer. But then maybe the better question is if the Jets send a second player. Um, maybe, Pete, you can decide for, for the group. Are we going with Wheeler? Or are we going with the, the popular pick? Like, uh, like Paul said, to go with uh, Liney. So we got Shifley well, probably as the right end. Shifley, I think, has got to be the guy who goes. And if you're probably going by votes and merit, it would uh, be Wheeler. But if I got to choose, I would choose Morrissey because I think he's doing just having an incredible season. And maybe his scoring hasn't been where other, where we think it should be or where it was for a little bit. But the guy is just playing rock solid. And he would he's I think if we if you know buffs down, we're going to see a test. But if Morrissey went down, this whole team, this defense would it'd be ugly. Right. That'd yeah, that's a good. Well, maybe I mean, Morrissey will be able to 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 you know play himself into that that all that all star spot in his next couple of weeks. I don't know exactly when they finalize the roster, but when Buff was out for those that handful of games before Morrissey was incredible during those times yeah. in the power play and whatnot. So maybe this will be yeah, this will be his chance. Maybe you know to you know a couple of weeks before they finalize it, I'm sure that he'll be able to sneak himself on there as well. The odd question would, to ask would be who gets the all star flu. If they get if yeah. they get invited, <laughs> every year you've got guys who go, "Hey, I got invited to the All Star game, but man, I really want to go to Cabo." Like that's just, <laughs> just happened know, every. Year. The thing with them getting the week off this year, right now, the, every the last two seasons they're getting the mandatory week off. That's their Cabo trip. So you know, I think that's to help the schedules condense in certain areas to give them those that that six days off where they can all get out of town and relax for a little bit. So I think that's designed to help prevent the flu. Because it was right. getting bad. Yeah. Yep. Um, with uh, to talking about the the All Star, obviously still. Um, I'm curious if uh, who you guys think it would be some of the goalies that would be lights out. I mean, last year Hellebuck w- would have probably been a good good candidate, and I'm not thinking at all that uh, he would get a look for the All Star game or that Brossois would. But uh, just with the goalies, I always think that's a, an interesting one, the way that people evaluate the goalies. Some people just look at the wins or if they're on a hot team or uh, who's playing good. But maybe, uh, uh, Pete, I'll just let you kind of take that one for, for the goalies. I, again, I don't think it concerns the Jets at all. But uh, for me, I just feel like I like to hear what people think about these goalies. Sometimes you got these these uh, these names, you know, that uh, uh, guys that have always there, right? They're always kind of the notable goalies. But they're not necessarily always playing that hot uh, going into it. Well, I think, I mean, I think you'll, for, you know, the central, you'll see Rennie there. I mean, right. who else would you see from the central? Yes. <laughs> Maybe Varlamov. Remember when the central was the, uh, the beast that you, nobody wanted to come into it. Now you've got, uh, you know, kind of everybody on a, on a downward swing, well, you know, yeah. with the exception of the jets and, and, you know, the predators on a, on a regular basis, they're not doing so hot right now, but, um, you know, when we looked at that, when they did the, when did they do the switch back from the southeast to in uh, 2012? And everybody goes, oh, look at the, look at the division we're stuck in. And now yeah. you probably wouldn't think that the, it's that bad. I think your yeah. other goalie for the central would be Ben Bishop in it's Dallas, crazy. because oh, he is he's fifth in goals against average, fourth in save percentage in the league. He's not having a bad year at all. Really, yeah, and Dallas yeah, is what, sitting question. in like yeah. eighth or something. Right, I, I wonder what yeah. the CEO of the Stars has to say about that. <laughs> yeah, horseshit. 
Horseshit. <laughs> He's right, let's, let's, horses. We we need we do need to talk about the actual Jets uh, and they're playing at some point. But just I'll uh, touch on quickly on uh, the skills competitions happening tomorrow. Any of you guys planning on attending the skills competition? Is that uh, taking kids or grandkids or anything like that? Daniel, your grandkids? <laughs> yeah. No, we're not. That, we're not going out this year for that. Yeah. Okay. Paul, go ahead. I, I, I was going to say uh, I'm I'm not, uh, and I haven't been to one actually since they've come back. But um, it was surprising to me how much more they're charging for the tickets now. Like it, you, when it first started, I believe it was ten dollars yeah. uh, to go to take somebody to the game. Now it's uh, I think even in the three hundreds, it's fourteen, and you can pay twenty seven dollars in the lower bowl. So wow. I know. I know it's a charity event, uh, and and a lot of the proceeds. I, I don't know how much of the proceeds go to the True North uh, True North Foundation, but uh, I mean it's become. I, I think for them it's become a money maker more than yeah. more than I think when it first started. It was like, hey, uh, thank you to the fans, thanks for the support. You know, it's an it was an affordable night for a lot of people. I mean, ten bucks is still ten bucks, but when you get into fourteen, seventeen, twenty seven dollars, I mean. You've got two or three kids to take to a game. It's pricey. Yeah. Oh, totally. I believe True North takes 10% for administration fees. Yeah, here I can tell you uh, there's an old tweet here from Toby Enstrom, which I plan on using uh, tomorrow. Everyone come to the skills competition at MTS Center tonight. Tickets only 10 slash $15. See you there. And this from December 18th, 2013. So five years ago, they were 10 and $15. So you're, you're right on there, Paul, because I was, I was going to use that tweet to make a stupid, uh, a stupid tweet like I usually do. So it's a lot of money. Yeah. For a skills yeah. competition. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So uh, Pete, you're not going though? No, not going. Never been. No. no. I, I went one time when we got free tickets. Uh, that was it, though. It was it, it was fun, but uh, yeah, I don't think I would make a, a chance of doing it uh, every year. But it's it's rush seating, so if you got young kids that want to get close to the players, get there early, and uh, as soon as you get in, don't go get your snacks. Go get your kids right at the boards and yeah. tape to the boards, and then go get your snacks and uh, let them get nice and close to the players. So well, okay, let's watch, watch out. When watch I, out for I elbows from uh, adults. Yeah. <laughs> When I looked it up today, though, you were picking by seat. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, yeah you saw the rest. Yeah, okay. Well, that's that's a little bit different. I guess maybe you pay a bit of a premium so you can have those close seats in. I guess maybe that's a thing. But uh, whatever. None of us are going. Hopefully people that go have fun and uh, nobody gets injured um, doing little skills and dipsy doodles. Right, Daniel? You, you mentioned that's that. That's right. I did, yeah. He was doing the fastest skater thing, and he caught an edge full speed coming out of the third cor- or fourth corner. And I thought he was, I thought he was done, but he got right back up. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's just a little scary sometimes. That's all. Seeing your oh. top players go full flight for nothing around the boards. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, do you remember, I think it was last year, two years ago, Brennan Lemieux actually won the fastest skater. Do you guys remember that? That was last year. Yeah. That was last year. Okay. Really? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Brennan Lemieux. He beat out, but Ehlers, Ehlers stumbled. So. Yeah. And, and Tanev, I think kind of, uh, uh, 
held up or something. Was Tanev in it last year? I, I, I don't know. He would have been. And yeah, let's, let's move along uh, here. Uh, World, World Juniors, uh, I know it's not totally Jets related. The Jets don't actually have too many people in, uh, heavily involved. Obviously, Veselainen didn't play, but Ver, Vertanen or Vertanen, I don't even know how to say it, has been playing with Finland. Uh, I think I believe Canada plays against Finland tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken, in the quarterfinals or semifinals. I, I, Ryan, you can fact check that one if you're bored. Um, uh, and then who else? We got uh, Dylan Sandberg playing Sandberg. Uh, defense. Yeah, Sandberg playing with the right. U.S. And and there's a guy on Sweden too, I think. Gustafsson. Oh yeah, Gustafsson. Gustafsson. Yeah, that's it. So anyhow, have you guys been uh, checking out the World Juniors? Have you enjoyed it? And uh, what do you think of any of the Jets prospects from what you've been able to see? Maybe we'll start with you, Paul. I keep interrupting you, so we'll let you go first. Uh, no, I, you know what? I watched. Uh, I watched a bit of the uh, the New Year's Eve game. I think I watched a period. I think I watched uh, the first game. Uh, of the tournament. I don't watch a ton of the world juniors. I don't know. It's lost its luster for me to a degree. I don't know why that is one way or another. Um, you know, it's always nice to see the kids. I think maybe if there was more, uh, you know, when, uh, you know, Patan was playing, don't let me throw names out, but when uh, Patan was playing, I mean, obviously we were watching and uh, if there's more just prospects here, you're watching, but um, you know, if you're having to watch a, a United States versus Denmark game, to watch Dylan Sandberg and his how many ever minutes he's playing 10 or 12 minutes a game, then, uh, you know, you're, you're pretty hardcore and that's, that's great. But, uh, I don't know. It just doesn't have the, uh, the draw, um, for me. I know, I know in talking to my sister who lives in Saskatchewan, she's all over that. She watches it like from game one to game eight or whatever the case may be. So, um, not as much of a draw for me, but uh, I do enjoy catching it when I do. And I do enjoy watching the Spengler Cup, actually, which that's not a popular opinion, but I voted the other day on the poll. So, <laughs> Thanks for voting, I noticed. And you commented, I think, as well, too. And I, I believe when Patan uh, was playing, I think uh, most of us are, are uh, decent fans of him. Morrissey and Comrie were also both on, on that uh, team when Patan had his hat trick and his dad threw the, the hat on. I believe they were both on the team, too. Someone can yeah. correct me if you want. Yeah, right? yeah and, they were. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So we did. So we had a couple more Jets prospects to cheer for on while watching Canada at the same time, which I, I'm assuming most of us would be cheering primarily for Canada. But uh, Pete, have you taken in the World Juniors at all? I've, I've watched a little bit of it, but I'm a lot like Paul. It, the luster's kind of worn off for me. I think. I think unfortunately, TSN's kind of taken their only unique property that they own and kind of turned into something that's way more hype than. Than it, that it deserves and needs like it's a fun tournament i think the fact that it's also in canada and the united states every other year is sort of losing its luster too like it's just making it too close to home and it's not doesn't seem as special as it used to be and sometimes waking up hungover on boxing day and kind of turning on a hockey game in finland was you know a lot of fun um I, it's fun to watch stuff when it's on and i'm around but i don't i don't seek it out too much unless there's something i really specifically want to see with it all right what about you, Daniel or Ryan? Do you guys uh, take it in much or no? I not, have uh, not watched any. Yeah, okay. I was. I'm about the same. You know, I think I watched the first five minutes of that 14 nothing game just to see what was going on, and I was like, oh yeah, that's one of those. And I haven't really made an effort to to catch any yet. I watched a little bit of that Swiss Russia game where they got had the two penalty shots on the same play. That was kind of funny, but uh, other than that, it was uh, nothing. Uh, no, no real interest for me. I just hope Canada wins or whatever. Yeah. 
I think I think Paul probably summarized it best for all of us, just our feeling towards it. It's interesting. Probably if there's certain players that you're following that are just prospects on Canada, it's easier to follow. But, uh, yeah, the saturation does, does feel a bit excessive. So let's move on from World Juniors because we don't want to uh, excessively oversaturate this podcast with World Junior talk as well. Okay, I don't care who – sorry, okay. I was just going to say, I don't care who wins. I just want everybody to have fun. <laughs> and that's uh, the highest – that's that's a – yeah, okay. All right. Uh, there's an article the other day by Brad Schlossman, a uh, friend of the show. Actually, Brad Schlossman is a great guy. I will say this about him. He is one of the best reporters out there. Uh, fans of UND are so spoiled to have him in the building and writing. He finds articles and things that are off the beaten path. He was the one talking about the MJHL moving to, uh, potentially moving into uh, Grand Forks. Uh, he had this article the other day about the sanitation um, they're the custodian uh, guy that's been doing some scouting for the Jets that was discovered, I guess, by Max uh, Giese. I'm curious if any of you guys have been able to um, get a chance to read the article and what you thought about it. Uh, seemed to be being passed around quite a bit, and Brad Schlossman is the best. Go ahead. Uh, well, maybe we'll start with you, Daniel. Did you read the article? No, actually, no. I've seen it floating around okay, Twitter next. the last few days, but I okay, haven't Daniel, uh, been able to. That's your homework. To, that, that, <laughs> that's my okay, homework. Ryan's been traveling. Uh, I know he didn't read it. Okay, next, Pete. <laughs> Yeah, I read it. It was interesting. What I found really kind of cool about it was, you know, when you click on the guy's Twitter, like I read it, saw the link tweeted out. I clicked on on his the, the scout's Twitter handle, and then you see all the people who are following him. And I was curious. There's probably some people who've been following him for a while and knew about him longer, given who was following him. And it was it was it was a great article. It was super interesting, and. Um, you know, he's there's a number of guys like that in in and around Winnipeg who do that kind of stuff. One of my kids' uh, former uh, teachers is a WHL scout, and he scouts for te- he scouts for the Wheat Kings and looks at all kids like 12 and up um, for them for the Bantam draft. And it, it, it's a super interesting thing, and I, I'd love to see more articles like that come out because there's there's a whole sort of sub industry of that stuff that goes on that no one really knows about. And if this guy's pulling pulling some gems out of nowhere, that's great. And it, it's neat to think that he's you know part of the Jets team. That that that's awesome. Yeah, I was going to say actually, Max Geezy, um We've been chatting with him off and on about having him on the podcast and he's very willing to have on, but uh, we're looking to get some approval uh, from True North to make that happen. Brian from Ohio would be interviewing him, talking about the whole scouting process. So uh, that'd be kind of cool if we get him on. So if you guys are interested in that stuff, uh, just keep watching because uh, it'll probably get out there. It's unusual for uh, just a fan run podcast to get access to, um, you know, True North employees and certainly the players coaches and stuff. So it's unusual, but um, uh, Brian has a relationship with Scott Brown through some other interview stuff that he did for his schooling. So uh, hopefully that, that works out, but uh, kind of cool. So uh, anyhow, Paul, did you get a chance to read the article or no? Yeah, no, I, I read it, thought it was fantastic. Uh, uh, solid writer. I hadn't read, I think I read uh, one of his stories before, uh, but uh, that the, just the, the depth of it, uh, how it was written. Uh, fantastic. I mean, it, it made me want to know more about, uh, about the, uh, about the scout, obviously. And, um, you know, one thing that, uh, that kind of caught me just about, you know, the subject of the article, uh, especially, <laughs> you know, he started doing this, you know, on a whim just because it was his passion. And to, to do a full-time job like that, especially a job where, you know, you're not 
going in and, and sitting in a cubicle and mailing it in for eight hours. I mean, guys driving a garbage truck. I mean, give, <laughs> give yeah. me a break. I mean, uh, it's it's like you're getting out, you're doing physical labor. Um, you're 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 actually driving, so it's not like you can do two things at once. And uh, and then he's going out at night. You know, he's got three, uh, two or three kids. I think the article said he's going out at night and he's scouting games i mean i'm glad the guy works for us by a long shot but i was yeah i was fascinated by it It was a great great article it was great yeah and again everyone should follow brad schlossman he's great he's done a bunch of other ones and he actually did the the long form origin story about uh, tucker pullman and his career and and uh, uh how it how he got to where he's at in the nhl so it was really really good stuff from him and uh <clears throat> okay so let's move along uh the moose uh, pretty much we'll just give this one to Daniel. I think uh, most of us haven't probably paid too much attention to the Moose just because we're all huge WHL fans and we're just looking forward to the Kootenai Ice moving here. Uh, I'm joking, of course. Uh, I'm sure some of us are paying attention. But Daniel does go to a lot of Moose games. He follows them closer than, than probably any of, uh, any of us. The Moose last year were on pace to set a record for most points in the season or a winning percentage or something like that. And now they're last place in the AHL. Uh, Daniel, why do they suck so bad? And uh, is there any hope for them to get better? And uh, have you seen any any good stuff? Any glimpses of hope? <laughs> the, <laughs> I mean, like they, they suck. They're really bad, right? They're 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 fourth last in the AHL. They're last in oh, their they're division. Fourth okay, yeah, fourth last. They won they won the last two games, so that bumped them up a little bit. Right. Um, you know, just injuries have ravaged them uh, this season. I'd say um, they their D has been diminished to to nothing. I mean, it's getting they're getting a little bit back to health. Now I think in the middle of December they had uh, had a game there, and I their 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 forwards were just you know I I hardly even knew who these guys were out there at that point. They had maybe one line that was getting pressure, and I think they lost like five one because they had no defense to suppress shots or anything. So it was just just injuries uh, not helping uh, at all, and they're a little satu- uh, sat- saturated. It's been the word of the podcast, but. You know, a lot of the talent is now up with the Jets, Appleton, Roslovic, two main guys from last year. Niku's been bouncing back and forth. So just a combination of that and maybe a lot of injuries. Like I think at one point they had eight guys, eight regulars on the shelf. So that that doesn't help uh, at all. A few of them getting back to health now, like Lapon played for the first time in a while uh, this weekend and stuff. So, you know, maybe if they get back to full health, they'll make a push in the second half. But I don't see uh, too much happening. They're like, uh, let's see, I just pulled it up here. They're a f- handful, more than a handful of points out of a playoff spot right now, and they actually hold a minus 25 goal differential. So that's just uh, very, very not good. Yeah, well, and, and you mentioned the injuries too. Two very notable notable ones would be Pullman, who I mentioned before on D, and then also uh, Luke Green was supposed to be kind of yeah. a decent prospect, but he's yeah, kind I of think they're both quite a bit, right? I think they're both concussed right now or dealing with uh, post-concussion syndrome stuff. If I'm not uh, mistaken, I don't think it's actually an, an injury with a timeline either. So that's slightly concerning. Yeah. All right. Well, the moose sucks. So good thing. The moose. Do. Yeah. Good yeah. Just spend, spend, spend your money on the Jets, I guess is what I'll say. Yes. <laughs> I'll just save say actually, for the Heritage Classic jersey. Yeah. <laughs> save it up. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, just kind of with the moose connection and to the article about the sanitation guy, the first thing I thought of, which is, you know, is probably an endearing story as well is the fact that, and you know, you can make a joke about it, which I, I did, uh, kind of, you know, just being silly. I wasn't actually being, uh, that rude, but the fact that, uh, Craig Heisinger probably had a similar story, right. Of, of kind of being, 
a nobody within an organization, like just an equipment guy, right? I'm not going to get into his whole story. And now he's, you know, uh, assistant GM of of the Jets and GM of the of the Moose. And this guy, you know, is working as a garbage guy and uh, and doing scouting on the side. So anyhow, I just I thought that was kind of an interesting tie in seeing that it's, uh, you know, same organization with a, a similar story there. I'm sure there's more stories like that too, but these are uh, Jet stories. So no, the Jets just, the Jets are the only franchise with feel good stories. <laughs> We're also the only ones with prospects too. We also only have yeah, and the best ones. All right, Daniel. And <laughs> Daniel is our designated troll as well as Moose uh, correspondent. Okay, let's get to the games. Okay, so the Jets finish off the month of December going 11 and four. Uh, before the break, they uh, what were they before the break? I, I can't uh, I can't recall. 10 and two, I believe. Then they come back, lose their next two games. Then they win in Edmonton against Edmonton Oilers, of course, uh, in a. A, a crazy game that included goals by Tanev and two by Lemieux. So um, maybe uh, Pete, we'll start with you this time. Maybe we could just kind of talk about the month of December and obviously these last couple games since the break are the most uh, notable ones and what we're going to, they're, they're going to be building off of uh, going into this next year. Uh, again, Lemieux in the lineup, uh, Patan sitting on the shelf, Appleton being taken out, getting Cop and Lowry back. There's lots of stuff we can uh, talk about the current line construction. I'll let you just talk about the Jets. I won't give you a specific question, but just uh, what, do, what do you see with this team right now? You know, it's funny. I, I wrote this today, and I think despite – I don't think there's anyone who really feels the Jets are playing as well as they could. I think there's just a general sense that there's something missing from this team for what they could be, yet they're in a better position coming out of the like than they were a year ago in terms of their points in games. Not much better. They have the same amount of points, but they did it in less games. Um, they're first in the Western Conference as of this morning, first in the Central, and they haven't really been playing that well. And yet they've only given up one more goal than they did the exact same time last year in one more game. So I think what's I think what we're going to see is this team is going to have to get their act together because the schedule is getting harder. I think it just and I'm I'm not looking at it going through just who where in the standings, but they've beaten some good teams, but they haven't beaten a lot of great teams. You know they've been able to feast on the Chicago's right. They've um, you know they've beaten Vancouver. They, you know, St. Louis, exactly. You know, the Islanders, that's just looking at December, the Rangers, even that weird road trip. But, you know, they, they beat Colorado in early November. Um, you know, they beat Jersey and they did beat Washington at home, but they got thumped by Calgary twice now. They've lost to Minnesota twice and they've lost to the Penguins. And I think the schedule is going to tighten up is going to get and And I think the team's got to tighten up a little bit. And if they can stay healthy and, you know, they can absorb Buff being gone for a bit, and he comes back, um, they're going to have a heck of a, of a February and March because, I mean, March is an ugly month of games, and it's against a lot of good opponents. And, you know, it's going to be fascinating to watch and see how they navigate that because the pressure coming down through the end of the season is going to be immense on them to hold out. And if it's a battle for playoff position in terms of like it was last year with the 1-2 with Nashville – you know, they're going to have to get better than they have been, um, in my opinion, because I, there's still something missing. And I think that something missing is probably between the pipes, less other things. But that's just sort of, you know, a gut feeling, not really looking at it through any statistical analysis. Yeah. 
And then you, you, you touched on the buff injury too, right? Like that's, that's a concerning thing. It looks like he's, if they're waiting until the all-star break and coming back after that, that is going from right now, the next, uh, what, two, four, six, eight, nine, nine games without buff too, right? So that's uh, concerning, but like uh, Daniel said, when buff was out before, Morrissey stepped up, so maybe maybe that's something. It, it, but I, I agree with you, Pete. It feels like they're not playing their best, but it also feels like we're like one injury, and maybe Buff's not the guy that you know gets injured and changes everything. But what if Shifley went down, or what if Morrissey went down? It kind of feels like the wheels come right off this thing. Maybe they rally together. Maybe that's you know just what happens, right? But it feels kind of dangerous just how much we're relying on certain players to do, uh, you know so many of the good things right for this team and uh like you said as a group they're not playing that well um but there's been some individuals doing some really good stuff so if they go down i'd be very very concerned so anyhow paul uh we'll uh, throw over to you what do you have to say about this uh current uh december that we just finished up and how they finished and how they look and how they're playing and maybe you could talk about some of the players in and out of the lineup and your you know preferred current line construction if you have one well, uh, I'm Amy. You hit the uh, you hit the nail right on the head there. With you know the eye test of watching this team is uh, is odd because you you expect them to be better. Uh, their record is better uh, than it was, but at the same time, every game you go into, I mean, there's not. I don't I don't know if you guys could could uh, qualify this or not, but you you look at these games and there's one there's not a game that you go into. You go, oh, they should win this one easily, and they come out and they squeak one out four three against the Oilers, or you know, mm-hmm. you know they were close against Minnesota or Calgary or, or whatever the case may be. Even even if you look at the Western trip there when they went into L.A. and I tweeted out before the game, I said we came off the big game against Tampa, a uh, big emotional win, and they go into L.A. and they you know they lay an egg. So you you they. they they play to their competition, and I, and I said this before on, on Twitter, uh, obviously, but I think they play to their competition, and that doesn't mean that they they play poorly. It means that every game they go into is just that it's going to be a, a quote-unquote nail-biter because you don't know what team's going to show up or if they're going to play exactly the way the game uh, the way the other team is playing the game and you know you hear the quotes from Maurice and everybody saying oh you, we just want to be patient we want to come in and play our game but the more I seem to look at it they go in and they just kind of mimic what the other team is doing for some weird reason so I think they should be better uh, I think you're right there was there's something missing there uh, whether it's uh, on defense or offense or just not putting in that effort or whatever the case may be um, but there just seems to be some X factor that's that's not showing up. Just a, a quick note on Buff there. I mean, if you want to put a positive spin on it, yeah, Buff's out. It's not earth-shattering. I mean, obviously, he's walking around and doing his thing. I saw a picture today. He was out fishing up in Petersfield or something like that. Um, but he'll come back after the All-Star game, and if we can survive that stretch, he comes back and he's uh, quasi-rested, if you want to look at it, for the tough games to come in February and March. So when you look at those uh, games coming up on the tough schedule, it's nice to know that we've got the points that we have in the bank because if yeah. we do hit a rough patch, we'll at least be uh, have some cushion. So if we fell a bit, no big deal. Uh, we don't want to, obviously, but you know, um, apples to apples is going to be at the end of the season, we're going to have uh, some kind of skid uh, of some degree. Now, was the two-game skid we just had what we expected? Who knows? As far as the players, yeah, I, I was, <laughs> I was probably as uh, as upset as everybody else when uh, when Lemieux gets put in over Appleton. Uh, he comes out and he, you know, shoves it in our face and scores, uh, you know, two <laughs> goals against the Oilers, and you know the classic 
picture I, I tweeted out. I took a picture of my uh, my screen, but him standing in the crease with five Oilers around him and Koskinen stretched out as the puck's going underneath him is just that. If that's not trolling us, I don't know what is. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just thought that, yeah, he had all six classic. players around him. Yeah. yeah, no, exactly. And he's scoring a goal at the same time. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you couldn't have asked for more if you're, if you're uh, Paul Maurice, that you want this guy, you want him in there because of grit or whatever, whatever X factor he's got that, that Maurice likes, that he got it out of him in, in the game against Edmonton. Now, that goal, uh, is it a, is it a byproduct of the Oilers not being great? Who knows? Uh, the deflection, you know, it was a nice deflection, but could that have been anybody? Sure. Um, I just say, and I said it today was, Patan, or, sorry, uh, Lemieux plays a fourth line game. He likes to grind. He likes to hit, do all that other stuff. Patan's never gotten the opportunity, in my estimation, for any length of time to play with players that are equal to him. So when you're comparing, when you're comparing a Lemieux scoring two goals, uh, the way he scored them, uh, that's great to get that production out of a fourth line is awesome. But I don't think you can judge him versus Patan one versus one based on that because Patan's not technically a fourth liner. I mean, he is because that's where he's played, but he should be playing with higher level talent. In my yeah, that's a that's a great analysis, Paul. Like I, you nailed it right there. Really good. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Paul's good, good stuff. All right, Daniel. Now for uh, now, it's gonna just disintegrate into pure trolling. Daniel, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. So I'm picking on Daniel a lot, but uh, uh, okay. I, I know you, you can you can talk talk about the the lineup and those those guys. But uh, I I agree with Paul. I think it's it's good. And I mean, for those of us who aren't maybe big Lemieux fans like myself, I would say I'm not. I'd rather play those the other guys and give them more minutes. But um, certainly cheering when he scores goals, right? It's not uh, anti-team. It's just wanting, you know, your most skilled players uh, out there um, as much as you can. And Patan and Appleton, I think, would definitely be more. But, uh, Paul, like, just you talk about what Lemieux is. I, I'd like to say that Paul Maurice, um, he doesn't roll four lines, as in R-O-L-L. He likes to roll R-O-L-E because he's very uh, committed to this idea that you have this role, you're a checker, you're this, right? And and this is your thing. And so even um, the way that he looks at it of, of coaching and, and utilizing guys and, and his usage uh, seems very indicative of that. But I mean, I still think you could probably ice a, a better team and some better line usage, which we've talked about a bunch of, uh, on the podcast before. But, you know, if uh, guys go out there and get it done, obviously the wins are where it's at. But if you could find some ways to improve, which it still seems, I think we all agree that they could find some room for improvement. It'd be nice if they, they find that uh, sooner than later and not try and make adjustments on the fly when they've never made any all year, uh, you know, in the games, you know, five when you're down you know, already three, three, one or something uh, in, you know, the Western conference final. That's not the time to finally figure out that you need to make a certain adjustment. Um, so anyhow, that's, that's my little two cents, but, but Daniel, go, go ahead. I'll let, uh, let you finish off on um, the recent run with the jets. You probably got some stats and numbers you could quote too, I bet. Yeah. So, I mean, like I actually, Paul did put it very well there, the way he said about the certain role, like Lemieux is a checker, gritty, chip the puck in kind of guy which is fine I mean whatever that's him but he's actually you know he's not that bad of a hockey player he's just not very smart which is which you need to have that's that's it right the hockey IQ just isn't as high level as for example say Nick Patan or even Mason Appleton 
where, you know, Lemieux does, you know, he scores a goal. Sure, nice chip over six guys laying on him in the crease or whatever it was. I didn't actually see it yet or don't plan on it. But, uh, you know, it's just another goal in that sense. And I mean, that's the kind of goals he's probably going to score. But he does have a really hard shot and he does skate fast. As we mentioned, he he did win the fastest skater. I mean, you don't put too much stake into that, but he is, he's a good skater. But then you look at it, he takes an interference penalty and the, the Oilers score on that, right? So he was only a net one last night, if you want to look at it like that. And I mean, obviously, that's a super small sample using only whatever he had, like eight minutes of ice time last night or something. So that's just kind of where we're at, where I'm at on that anyway, is just, you know, the Mew is the fourth line kind of guy and Patan is not a fourth line kind of guy like that. Like Paul put it perfectly. I don't really have too much to build off what he said, but like, yeah. it's just about optimizing. Like if you look at, if you ever watch Patan play, or if you ever watch say a guy like pro, they're always the first guys in and they, and they'll actually come out with the puck a lot of the time on like a guy like say Tanev, you know, he doesn't come out with the puck a lot or Lemieux probably doesn't come out with the puck a lot. I don't, watch too hard when Lemieux's out there or when Tanev's doing his thing out there because there's, you know, there's a, there's a lot going on in hockey, but I do like to keep my eye on the players that I specifically like to watch and Pro Pro is one of them and obviously Patan is one and you look at a guy, even like Appleton, I've noticed he's been able to get into the, get to where the puck is in the corner and on the forecheck, right? And that's something that is very valuable instead of doing kind of what I don't really like bashing Line too much because he's going to score 50 goals this year more than likely. But Line A kind of just hangs out high. He doesn't really get in deep that much as hard as a guy like Perot does. And that's something that's whatever, something to work on. But it's just different different styles and people just put different value into different styles. And obviously Maurice values that, that checking game and stuff and playing guys for eight minutes and absolutely murdering his top line night in and night out. So... <laughs> Yeah, that's that's basically it. Like, I, like, can we just not wait till April when Shifley and Wheeler can't skate anymore because they played 22 minutes a night for 82 games? Yeah. From so a line standpoint, I was going to mention, like, the line that I like to see uh, when they did it for, I guess, what, what was it, one game or two games, was um, they had uh, Patan, Appleton, and Roslevic. And they put those guys together on a yeah, fourth yeah. line. Now, they got no minutes. <laughs> or yeah. next to no minutes, but if you actually could roll four lines, R O L L, by the way, yeah. uh, then you know, uh, putting putting that fourth line out. I mean, honestly, is that's probably the optimized Jets lineup, and uh, you know that means you pull Cop out. But at the same time, I don't see Cop as much of an ad as Patan and even Appleton has, has jumped the queue with the way he played, and I thought he played uh, pretty well in the games he's been in. I don't know why they pulled him, to be honest. Well, <laughs> one thing I, I I've, think... I've mentioned a few times, uh, <laughs> that one round table we had, I said, uh, when cop was coming back, we were still waiting as, uh, oh, yeah, Appleton comes out for Lemieux, but we took, we took the long route to get there. Uh, obviously Lemieux sat out a few games, the, the two after Christmas, but, uh, just mentioned they did have, uh, Lemieux had just under eight and Rosovic had just under nine minutes, uh, last night. And I guess who's the third guy in that line last night would have been pro at about 14. Cop. So, and up uh, or or cop cop was on the fourth line last night. Yeah, yeah. he was on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, Lowry and uh, Tanev. Oh, right. That's right. Yeah, cop had two assists last night, so that's good. But uh, that's right. Yeah. So the cop had twelve last night, and actually Joe Morrow recorded his first point last night too of the season in in his twentieth game. 
So I, I, if that doesn't tell you all you need to know about Joe Morrow, then then I got nothing for you. I, I believe you mean Joe Scoro. Yeah, Joe. Joe, Joe, Joe yeah, he scored that one playoff goal one time. Well, yeah. the nice thing well, is that when you talk about the team now uh, versus the team five years ago, I mean, yeah. we're talking about pulling out or inserting uh, guys in the fourth line and who should be there and who's not. I mean, there was a time when we're starting Nick Antropov and, yeah. you know, guys like that and it's and it and i mean dan kantropov was the first scorer in jets 2.0 history so i can't take that away from him but at the same time there were some pretty weak lineups where if lad little and wheeler weren't going i mean we had zero chance so, <laughs> yeah. nick atropov so once scored 54 points in five games in that world junior division yeah. D tournament sorry Exactly. So, so they're, they're, you know, we're, we're arguing about these little things and, and yeah, I mean, it makes a big deal to us, but at the same time, uh, the team's doing well. I mean, if we want to look at the positives, the team's doing well, records well, we've yep. taken some points. I wish we would have been able to beat Toronto. It's my own personal opinion, but it is what it is. Um, because I think we're 20, what is it? 25, six and one against the rest of the league. And we're oh and six versus Calgary, Toronto and, um, Who's the other one in there? We've lost two, but anyway. Um, so yeah, I mean, things are good, and we're we're kind of nitpicking at the edges, but still, those are the things that uh, that need to get looked at by the coaching staff because when it comes to the playoffs, I mean, rolling four lines was a, a, just last spring when they were talking about the playoff run. What what line were they talking about? Everybody was like, these are the guys that are going to make the difference, and it was Lowry, Tanev, and Perot. Yeah. Well. I think uh, my I've said it a couple times uh, here too. The reason why I personally focus on like the little stuff it isn't even just about um, the fact that the team is good and there's not as much to complain about. And I'm just a big negative uh, complainer. Is that because hockey there is it's played in the margins like so much closer than any other sport. It feels like you really need to get into the minutia of the of how you can optimize things to really be stand out better and and like we all sort of talk about and, and agree that the Jets could be better it feels like you know maybe if we paid attention or if the coaching did or you know what, what do I know right um, but paid attention to all those little details maybe that would be the team that you know beat Calgary both times and beat uh, Toronto both times and uh, or, or maybe when they play these games like Edmonton they still beat Edmonton but they beat them for nothing instead of 4-3 right in a bit of a nail-biter right and, and like you say Paul kind of playing to their competition so Yes, they're doing well, but the problem is sometimes um, when in the NHL, especially, it feels like it's not optimizing your lineup isn't a Winnipeg Jets thing. It's not something that we complain about just because we're negative or something, or that I would. But it feels like it's a it's a hockey thing. It's an old culture and uh, one that uh, dies slowly. And I mean, uh, like. Uh, the Oilers, they fire their coach, and who do they go get? The guy that was just fired and just retired and then rehired all within uh, 365 days. Like, it's it's nonsense. They just keep recycling the same guys. Then all of a sudden they get the bump. They're like, oh, yeah, Hitchcock's the answer. Then they go 0-5 or 0-6 now. 0-6 uh, now. In a row. Yeah. yeah. And then now, now it's like, oh, maybe that wasn't the right decision. Or maybe they won't, right? And Peter Shirelli still has a job. Right, uh, so there's lots of things that you can look at in the hockey culture, not just in the Jets. Right, that where you kind of go, what in the world is going on there? I mean, there's some terrible teams and terrible players and terrible coaches that still exist in the NHL. So for people to just go, oh, I just kind of paying attention to the details. I mean, this is these people are paid millions of dollars or, or you know lots of money more than any of us have, right? To to kind of do this professional sport and do it well, and some do not do it well. So to kind of think that there isn't ever an area for improvement 
in this culture or in this uh, on this team or on any team uh, seems a little bit absurd. It's not like everything's maximized and the team could not be better. I had an art. Uh, <laughs> A fun conversation, uh, private conversation with somebody, like literally as the clock struck 12 for New Year's, uh, we're arguing about uh, Tanev <laughs> and, and oh, so his yes. role. And, and I said, and, and it's fine, like I, I will give Tanev credit for being a lot better and he's definitely found a role with a coach that likes role players and everything. But I just think it's ridiculous to say, okay, he has seven, I believe seven goals and six assists. I think it's ridiculous to say if somebody else was given those exact same minutes, that exact same time, right? Those exact same situations that somebody couldn't have done the exact same thing or had the same results or better results. And I'm not even saying Patan. I mean, like uh, I've mentioned this before, Chris Thorburn has scored goals in the NHL. Well, that's because he was on the ice when that puck was there and that goalie was there and he managed to shoot the, the puck there. And, or Hendricks scored uh, goals like with the Jets. I remember scoring a really nice one, I, I believe, against Las Vegas. But it's not like if you didn't insert Blake Wheeler or you insert, uh, you know, Lion or Marco Dano or Mason Appleton or Michael Spachek, that they don't score that goal as well. So, so much of what people see happens uh, is just the only thing that happened. So you can't always talk about the things that didn't happen, that they couldn't be better. So uh, the idea of wanting the team to be better or, you know, pick up on the details is not saying that they're not good, not saying that they shouldn't get credit for the work that they've done, not to say that players haven't improved, but to, to just kind of leave it at that and be like, no, okay, we're good. We're good. Everything's perfect. We, we won games. So even today I, I ran into a friend and he says, well, they, they won the game. They won against Edmonton. I go, yeah, but the, the, they should have destroyed Edmonton, right? I mean, Edmonton just made two terrible trades. Uh, they have, like I said, a coach that's now just went 0-5 in the last bit. They got the worst GM in the league. I mean, and the Jets, we all know how loaded they are. Shouldn't, like, don't we feel like they should have decimated them? So being happy with a win just feels a little bit... Um, softer, little, like, low expectations, I, I suppose. Well, just think and how we, boring the podcast would be if we were all Kool-Aid drinkers and said, yeah, you know what, everything's great. We won. Hey, Let's celebrate the, the, the Everything you know, isn't great, though. And 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 I think you've raised a ton of great, really good points. And and the main one, and I think people are overlooking this, when has Hellebuck made a save that changed the shape of a game this year? This is the yeah. first save he made that actually kept his team in the win column. And it hasn't been done yet in regular, and I'll say that in regulation time. And OT, he's done a couple, but that that's he, he's finally like that was the first time, in my opinion, that he's earned anywhere near of his huge raise to six million bucks. Like you're talking and, about the dry side of the safe the other day, yeah, uh, yeah, in the last two minutes. Yeah, and I was surprised he, actually that Brissois didn't get the start after two months. I agree with that, Paul, totally. Mm-hmm. I thought Brissol was a lock to go in, but I bet you he plays against the Penguins for some reason, psychological thing. Well, and, and especially because Maurice said with January coming up, it's going to be a heavier schedule. He said that we're going to play Hellebuck a lot down that stretch. And so you're thinking, okay, well, maybe because they got four days off, it, they, you can still make an argument that Hellebuck could have gone in. But at the same time, he said, we're going to be riding him a bunch in, in January. So thought, okay, well, the last day of 2018, maybe uh, just give, give Brossois, who's played well. Why not give him the start? But uh, uh, be damned if I understand um, the way I would, have, I would have I would have either started him against the Oilers or I would have started him against Minnesota. One of the two. Yeah, makes sense. I think. But. I think actually, I'll just add on to that about the goalies. Uh, Brassois started nine games already. That's like that means he's on pace to close to twenty, which is kind of actually where we want him, really. Yeah. So that's that's actually impressive for Maurice to be there. So even if it turns out to be about eighteen, I think that's 
probably more games than I expected Brossois to start uh, heading into the season. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, let's. Uh, I think we could go on and on and on because uh, we all like to talk and it's fun to do this. But let's just move on to just a quick little thing. So going to New Year, just have not played in 2019. Uh, they play on Friday, I believe, against Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. And I should mention our boy Brian will be there, hopefully. We're trying to convince him to, to go. He has permission to get down into the media scrums and interview Jack Roslevic and Kyle Connor, if I'm not mistaken. Not for the podcast, but just for himself, for schooling. So... Hopefully Brian uh, takes that opportunity, and uh, that should be fun for him. Um, but uh, yeah, so th- that's when they play. So uh, going into this year, we all kind of talked on a few things. What should be some Winnipeg Jets New Year's resolutions? We'll start with you again, Pete. What do you think? What uh, maybe give uh, two two points that you think the Jets should uh, should really work on and wish for themselves? I, I think. The defense should work on doing a much better job in front of Hellebuck. I think there's still too much confusion in there. And I think uh, Patrick Laine should not handle the puck, Is try to be as tricky with the puck when he has it on a stick as he is right now. I like it. All right, Paul, how about you? Well, I said uh, yesterday, I said uh, maybe we should uh, look into maybe taking Laine's arms and hands and sewing them onto Ehlers. Just so he'll, uh, you know, get some more speed to his game or something like that. But I would agree with uh, with your point there, uh, Pete. I mean, obviously, um, there's there's confusion on the backside. I mean, I, I made a comment uh, I think last podcast I was on that you can tell the Jets are going to play a good game when they control that flow coming out of the zone, when they control that puck uh, and they, uh, you know, from the from the blue line in to uh, Hellebuck, for instance. And I haven't really seen that with any consistency the last couple games. It's been very scrambly. So definitely cleaning that up. Um, you know, I, I think to a degree, uh, almost we need some shooting drills because either we're not getting shots to the net, we're taking shots at four times, or, um, you're, we're just not getting enough traffic in there because some days, I think yesterday we did okay against the Oilers, but, uh, some days it just feels like we're not getting enough shots on, on, uh, the opposition goaltenders. All right. Daniel, how about you? What do, what do the Jets need to commit to for 2019? Yeah, well, does, as the other as the other two fellows mentioned there, just cleaning up the defensive zone is is important. Uh, you can't rely on on your goalie to stop every single high danger chance. So let's cut down the amount of high danger chances against, and that in return will cut down hopefully cut down the amount of goals that we're letting in and get those those goals against per game down to closer to two or two and under. That's kind of where you where we would like to be. Obviously, where every team would like to be, letting less than two goals in. That's 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 good. So that that clean up the D zone and I I don't know like obviously the power play is great and we all love watching the Jets on the power play and it's just something that's always always bothered me and they have one of the top power plays in the league. I, don't get me wrong, like it's second, but uh, it was so it was so no, good. They they it's been it's been off for for a couple weeks now i would say maybe if i'm not mistaken you know they just got to work in some new some new audibles some new sets and there get some different get some different rotations and stuff like that yeah. and just to just to change up the look that's that's something that's a little off the beaten path there for uh yeah. some resolutions all right um ryan do you have any that you want to add sickle ryan no ryan's not adding anything okay i got uh <laughs> I got one that I, Ryan fell asleep on us. 
Uh, I'm going to add one, and this is kind of, we talked to it with like the Patan Lemieux, Appleton and stuff. Um, I would just say an optimized lineup, but I don't think anymore like I'm going to get my wish that, you know, Patan would be in there full time or anything. But if these guys are going to rotate in out of the lineup, say Lemieux's in and then Appleton's in, it doesn't seem like there's any real rhyme or reason that we can really understand. I, I, in like, I believe Maurice contradicts himself quite often about these things. That's just my take. Whatever, you can go listen to the audio yourself, make up your own opinion. But I would say, so these guys aren't sitting for super long times, uh, it would probably be better to have maybe a consistent schedule. So I am not a, a fan of Lemieux. But if you're going to have him in and you're going to have uh, Appleton in or you're going to have pull Niku up, I'd say try and rotate these guys in. Like, no guy should be in the press box. These young guys, right, they are still developing and, and whatnot. If, and if they're playing meaningless fourth minute, uh, uh, fourth line minutes. So that's what I'm told by some people. They're meaningless, right? So who cares? Why argue about them? Why not just, uh, if they're so meaningless, just give some guys some time. So, you know, play Lemieux for like uh, three games. Doesn't matter. I don't care if he scores nine goals in three games. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but um, it yeah, doesn't ma matter how well he plays. Rotate in Appleton. Let him play three games. Then rotate in, you know, uh, Patan or something like that. Same with Niku. I mean, Niku can easily come in and get in for for Moro, you know, let Moro have a couple games and then get Niku in for at least a couple. I mean, I'm not so worried about the older guys when they sit in the press box, but for those young guys, I can't imagine that would be fun just only practicing, never getting in. It's not good for development. I mean, it's more controversial than it's worth um, to to the club and the team and, and probably uh, the optics of it. So just rotate those guys in, even if it's guys that I don't care for, just just get them in. Get the get all those guys kind of playing. Don't Don't bench... And I'm not just saying it because it's Patan being benched. I'm saying it because I think that's probably a better way of, of handling your guys, especially when you start, um, you know, giving your first line, like Daniel mentioned, way too many minutes. Um, why not give that fourth line a bit more minutes and then also give them some rest so you always have some fresh legs so you can take those minutes away from the, that first line especially and uh, just spread, spread out the time a little bit uh, to those lesser lesser players or lesser lines, right, that's going to get less minutes. So that would be my uh, my super duper hot take on on that that's just what i would do at this point i don't i, don't I would know. say we'll any, get... anybody who uh anybody who says fourth line minutes are meaningless uh didn't watch the game last night two goals obviously and uh fourth <laughs> line minutes are only meaningless when they're only doing a couple minutes a game i mean yeah yeah i guess you could say that but uh, they should be you know in all rights they should be playing more than that yeah it, ideally i've said a bunch of times i would love to see all the forward actually here's my other wish all the forwards, you know, especially everybody plays at least 10 minutes. Nobody plays over 20 minutes. That uh, seems like a good range to have it. And we're consistently having three players at six or seven minutes and three players at about 22 or 23 minutes. So I think that's problematic. And in, in the long run, it's not good for chemistry. It's not good for uh, actually rolling your lines. It's not good for, uh, you know, resting your guys. So it's, it's kind of bad on multiple fronts. You know, if your fourth line barely plays, that means other lines are playing too much. So balance it out a little bit more would be would be my take besides the whole my usage concerns and the lineup overall anyhow i think that's uh, pretty much it um one thing i will uh, mention uh first actually ryan we'll go to you and you can uh, give us any other corrections you should tell us uh, what what we missed if ryan's still in fact here with us um but uh, talking about uh morrissey potentially going to the all-star game kind of throwing back um anybody want to uh comment on why myers uh, who is Don Cherry's, uh, one of his Norris candidates, uh, shouldn't be going to the, the All-Star game. I don't know if you guys caught that. Um, uh, Don Cherry I think the Don other Cherry days. has some issues. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, I was. That was that was mind-boggling. I mean, and then they show some of uh, Myers' offensive play, and he's been a lot better lately. Like to be fair, he's been a lot better lately. He hasn't had as nearly as many chaotic moments that are super memorable. But um, I mean, he's not even. He, I think he's fourth in points and scoring uh, of the defenders, and he's certainly not a better defender than the three guys ahead of him. Um, I, I don't. The, I don't consider offense. myself anti-Myers, but I also don't consider him a Norris candidate by a long shot. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. Ryan, are you still with us? What what can you add? I'm still here. I was having a I was having a coughing fit. I'm I'm dying. But uh I have no corrections. You pretty much nailed everything. What um I did have a fun fact for you at the end of it oh, yeah. though. Fun fact. Yeah, fun facts with Ryan. Um so Dustin Bufflin in his career, he's played 444 games at home, 415 on the road. He's plus 66 at home, minus 73 on the road. Wow. <laughs> what site? Okay, what site are you using again to find these things? How are you? How are you doing this? Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> the dot com. Plus right. minus dot com. <laughs> yeah. Well. You know what? I'll just let you guys. I'll, I'm going to say this now, just so everyone kind of you guys can hear it too, because it's some uh, good stuff. So I mentioned the uh, uh, future guests here. We're trying to get Max Geezy on. Uh, if he comes on, Brian will chat with him. Uh, we got Tim Stapleton coming up. Roddy's going to have a chat with him. A little Filipino connection. Daniel, you and I will start working the Patrick Williams angle again. It's uh, the new year. He said to check in with him there. So Daniel might be doing an interview with Patrick Williams. Uh, Alistair, who just had a child the other day, so his interview with Leah Hextall has been delayed, but uh, likely that will be happening soon so we'll have Leah Hextall on uh, I'm chasing Jordan Tutu down that looks like it's happening at some point Scott Oak will be on and uh, Ryan uh, you can uh, get Glenn to hurry up and talk to Sean McKindle also known as Down Goes Brown who just had a book come out so uh, those are some of our future guests coming up so we probably won't do a round table for a little bit because we'll have some of those coming up but uh, really appreciate you guys taking the time with us tonight uh, for those uh, listening, and in case you forgot, make sure that you use the promo code. Ryan, huh? what's the promo code? Jetcentric. Jetcentric. Make sure you use the promo code everywhere you buy and purchase things. Uh, yeah, just, it won't work it. anywhere, but just use it. Yeah, you, use it. They'll they'll know. We they, they're they're keeping tabs of it. So <laughs> just say okay. AJ sent you. Don't say AJ sent you. <laughs> okay. Gentlemen, thanks again for doing this. Really, <laughs> it was a lot of fun, and uh, we'll definitely have you guys on again. <laughs> All right, perfect. Thanks, guys. Okay, thanks very yeah, much, thanks. guys. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Peter, Paul, and Daniel. Hey. Okay, bye. And Ryan. And Ryan. <laughs> <No. laughs>